In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Both all of the clergy here have warned me about the steps coming up into this book. <laughs> and um, Sometimes when I come up into these pulpits of our oldest churches and I try to go up those stairs without falling and breaking my head, I think, what were they thinking when they built this? But, uh, but it's all wonderful. And this is, Church of the Ascension is really an architectural masterpiece um, here in the city of New York and in the Christian church. Uh, I've been here before as bishop, a couple times I think, but it's been a little while. Um, my two assisting bishops, Alan and Mary, also make visitations. And then we had a global pandemic, and so we're catching up. Um, it's very, uh, it's a great privilege for me to be here tonight. Um, I have known Liz for over 20 years, back when she was at Holy Apostles. She and I had many a lunch together over the years. And when I think about all the water that's gone under the dam since we met each other. We weren't really young back then, but we were younger, and, uh, and, and some time has passed. Makes me a little wistful. But I'm very, very happy to be here tonight with Liz, who is bringing tremendous leadership to this church. Also, to be here with Posey and Ed, uh, with the uh, lay leaders and wardens and vestry, and all of the servers who make worship here possible, with all the choristers. This is a great thing. And uh, perhaps especially because we are living in days right now when we realize how quickly everything can be taken away. It, uh, it is a reminder of the wonders and miracles that are around us all the time, the graces and blessings of God. And being here with you all tonight is one of those. It's part of that. So thank you for having me. I'm very glad to be here. I had the opportunity uh, before the service tonight to sit with um, Richard and uh, Jacob and Kai, who will be presented tonight for uh, Kai will be baptized and then all three of them will be confirmed. Um, they're wonderful. Uh, they have been raised up by this congregation and they are a testament to you. I'm privileged to be here and to be part of helping to shepherd them into this next chapter in their life of Christian service and the next chapter of their life in God. Um, it's, a, it's a joy for me to be able to do this and to be here with you um, and profoundly important. It's also uh, a great joy to be with you on your feast day. This is Ascension Day and lo and behold, we are in the Church of the Ascension. And, uh, and this is one of the great feasts of the church year and uh, we're celebrating it tonight. Um, I confess that uh, I don't know exactly what happened at the Ascension. Uh, we have uh, several accounts of it in the Gospels and in the Book of Acts. And um, they, all, they all differ from each other a little bit, but they have something in common, which is that after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples went out with Jesus to a place Jesus chose, and then something happened and they record it as Jesus being visibly lifted before their eyes up above the clouds and into heaven. And I don't 
always understand exactly what that experience was, but I believe that something absolutely miraculous happened in the presence and sight of the disciples. And that thing was, however it happened on that day, what they did experience was that Jesus departed from them utterly into heaven with the promise that he would cast his spirit upon them. You know that John baptized you with water, but in a very short time, you will be baptized with the spirit. And Jesus made that promise to them as he disappeared. In some ways, what happens on ascension is sort of the opposite or the culmination of what was begun at Christmas when God came down in incarnate form on Christmas Day and lived here in the worldly disposition for 33, 34 years, and then on Ascension Day returned back into heaven. But whatever happened, it was life-changing for the disciples. And it was a profound moment in the progression of that group of disciples into forming and shaping the life of a church that was just to be born. Now in all that, and we hear it and see it differently in the different accounts, Jesus called upon the disciples to engage in a missional purpose, which was to proclaim the coming of the kingdom and baptize everybody. Go into the world and baptize everybody. And the church began doing that, and the church began to grow. The Holy Spirit poured, was poured out upon the church, and the church began to live into the fire of that spirit, and that began to bear fruit in profound and mysterious ways. What Jesus told the disciples on the occasion of the ascension, a commandment, go into the world and baptize. Or, as he says in the reading we had tonight, you know that John baptized with water. You are about to be baptized with the Spirit. And Jesus pointed them forward into the baptismal life, the vowed life, and what he ordered and what he commanded, the disciples began to do. And 2,000 years later, we are still doing it, and we're doing it here tonight. We are receiving the baptismal vows of wonderful people who are looking to come more deeply into their journey with God. The vows of baptism we receive here tonight and continue to build and grow and deepen our life as a baptismal community. And this was the immediate fruit of the ascension. Someone told me that they were in a church, I think in Italy, and they looked up at the ceiling and there were two plaster feet sticking out of the ceiling, which signified Jesus rising through the roof on his way to heaven. And that's a little too literal for me. <laughs> Though someday I have to go see that. It is still a little bit literal. But there is a mystery, there is a miracle at the heart of all this. And it changed the disciples and helped to bring the church into being and it changes us. Jesus said, I am with you always, 
even to the end of the age. This week, we need to hear scripture. And we need to be reminded of first things. We need to be called back into who and what we are because everything about us is coming undone. Now tonight, because we have baptism and confirmation, we're going to hear the promises of baptism made in our presence. I want to say something about those promises. They are given in the form of questions and answers. I will ask certain questions of Kai, and she will respond. And her response are her promises, the vows of baptism. The first question, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And then, do you renounce all the evil powers of this world, which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? That in this renouncing, we renounce the evil that is around us, the evil that besets us from outside, and the evil that wells up from within us and would have us become the agents of evil toward those around us in the world. And the first vows and promises of baptism are the renunciation of that evil. Now, it begins by asking if we renounce Satan. And actually, in today's world, in a liberal church like the Episcopal Church, a whole lot of people aren't sure they believe in the devil. It's okay, you don't have to. But the more we live into this world, the more we see and discover that evil is not passive. Evil is a conscious, corrosive thing in the world. And if we want to call that Satan, I'm fine with that. And if we want to look at that evil and say, there is the devil, I'm fine with that. But what we must do is call out and name that evil when we see it and renounce it. And what we mean by renouncing it is that we declare that we will not let the evil which is a present reality in the world around us, the evil which is destroying the world, breaking us down, separating us one from another, casting violence and chaos into our lives, we will not let that evil define us have power over us, have dominion over us. We will not let that evil determine who we are or how we make choices or what matters to us. So instead, we continue our promises of baptism. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? If we will renounce and have nothing to do with the evil that is in the world, then we must be strengthened to bind ourselves to the good. We must choose something 
we must choose someone. And in baptism, that is Jesus. And we commit ourselves to a life in Christ, that declaring that we will not let ourselves be defined by the evil that besets us or the evil that is in us, we say instead, we will be defined by the love of God for all people through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will, in following Jesus, learn and be taught to conform our lives to his loving goodness, that we may be in the world people, figures of compassion and mercy and forgiveness and forbearance and love and charity, modesty and mercy. This is what will save the world. Now, we're having baptism today, we're also having confirmations. At confirmation, we have the renewal of the promises of baptism. And the only questions that will be asked of the candidates for confirmation is, do you reaffirm your renunciation of evil? And do you renew your commitment to Jesus Christ? As I said to these candidates earlier, in a paraphrase, all we're asking is, do you still mean it? Are you still in? And sometimes when I'm sitting with young people who are going to be confirmed, I say, you know, when you were baptized as an infant, promises were made that, that already you are living by. But other people took responsibility for that. Now you will take responsibility for those promises yourself. Today you can turn to your parents and godparents and say, thanks, I'll take it from here. And come into the fullness of this life that we have chosen as Christian people. To live into it in full, to find out what it means, what it does for us, what it does to us, how it raises us, how it enlarges us, how it enlarges the world. So this is what we're about today. I'm asking those two questions of people being confirmed. Are you still in? Do you still mean it? Do you renew, recommit your promises to renounce evil and choose Christ? Now, sometimes when I'm sitting with young people, as the older you get, the more inescapable certain truths become. But sometimes when I'm sitting with young people who are going to be confirmed, and I talk about renouncing evil, I can see in their eyes that they don't really get that. And I have to help to kind of explain to them what we mean when we talk about forces of evil in the world. Now, today, in these days, some things have become perfectly clear. And over these last years, over the last decade, we have had to raise again our convictions about the equality and dignity of all persons again and have been battling the forces that lift up one people over another people, that denigrate people by race or ethnicity. These battles which we thought we had begun to claim victory over have come back to us with a vengeance in these last years, and we have seen that evil in front of us. We are a world at war at the moment. 
and the atrocities that have come out of Bucha, that have come out of the Ukraine, that are reminiscent for us of what we have read about the Holocaust. These atrocities are happening right now, and we see them. A week and a half ago, 10 people were murdered in Buffalo, New York, just because they were black, and the person who killed them hated black people. Wonderful innocence. Buying a birthday cake. Coming from visiting her husband, one of the, one of the victims, at a nursing home. Shot dead. And then two days ago, 19 children and two elementary school teachers shot in Uvalde, Texas. We don't need to ask, where is the evil? Evil is rising up in front of us and presenting itself to us with full force. When we say that we will renounce Satan and all the forces of wickedness that rebel against God, when we talk about renouncing the evil powers of this world, this is what we're talking about. So it's deadly serious, and it's hard. It's not an easy thing. As Christians, we are up against forces that are profound and that will roll over us if they can. And in baptism, we declare that those forces of evil will not have power over us. We will not be defined by the evil that we see in the world. And this is incredibly important. And I, uh, I, I tell people being confirmed that I consider the words of baptism and confirmation to be some of the most important words we will ever say in our lives. That we have a responsibility as people to come out in front of our community and in front of our God, and to declare who we are, what we believe, what matters to us, and to demonstrate and show that we can be counted on and trusted, that we will not be part of those forces of destruction, but instead will be part of those forces of God, which bring people together, which bind up the wounds, which lift people up, which, which um, uh, make the world a safer and, and, uh, and, and, and better place for everyone. That this is the life that we choose. But part of what this means is that in baptism, as we make these promises, we commit ourselves to living uh, uh, lives in which the way that we respond to these kind of eruptions of evil in the world must be different as baptized people that we cannot be simply reactive to what we see around us, but that we be people who are active ahead of time, that we are active in the world before it begins to come undone, to build deep wellsprings of spiritual hope and strength to sustain ourselves and the people about us through the difficult days when the difficult days come. And when we don't think about the place of God in the world, when we don't think about the role of Christians in the world, when we don't think about what it means to, to live fully into these baptismal promises until the evil 
the evil events and the destruction happens around us, then we fall into a simply reactive posture uh, against the, uh, uh, these crimes in the world. We are being called by Christ into a life that begins to work in the world as a force to lift it up, to lift people up, and to make this world a place so safe, so honorable, so grace-filled, that we can stand and endure the storm when the storm comes and not be changed by it. That the evil, when it comes, will not define us, but that we, by our promises and vows and Christian lives, will define the day uh, 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 and the time when things begin to, to come undone. We're in a time right now after these terrible events of, of this week and last, when we must ask again what it means for us to be called into the Christian life and to live in the Christian life when all of this is happening around us and in front of us. And I think that the way that we do that or the way we begin to understand what that means is to think about the fact that there is nothing passive about what we're doing here tonight. That these folks who are being baptized and renewing their baptism and all of us as we renew ours as well are making promises and we are and we will be defined by the promises that we make when we make promises that declare to our community and to our god the kind of men and women we intend to be we define who we are we define who we intend to be, we define who we desire to be, and we reveal the deep passions and longings of our hearts. And then, by the quality with, with, with which we keep our baptismal promises and vows, the world and our God may take our measure. And in these days of such tumult and such chaos, what the world is looking for and needs to find are people who are able to speak with constancy and humility and purpose when everything else is coming undone. So the words and promises of baptism that are made here tonight and that we will all renew are at the very center and heart of our Christian lives. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he invoked them and commanded them of the disciples, baptize the world that the world may renounce evil and choose God. Baptize the world. And we who have made these baptismal promises and renewed them have been called in our life and in our living to be a leaven in the world, to heal the world, to lift it up, and to cover it over with the grace and favor of God. There are there are wells of such suffering in America today. And we who have been called into this life have the opportunity and the call and the purpose to bring the healing of God to all the broken little ones in the places where the children of God have fallen to violence. So what we're doing here tonight is profoundly important and it is the most important thing that we can do as Christians. This is our response to the commandment of God given at the ascension. Baptize the world. And one at a time, 
day by day, we're doing that. And as we come deeper and deeper and broader and broader into the baptismal community together, we become a force for godly transformation for the world. Now, those are, that's a bold statement that I do not hesitate to make. This is what we've been called to be as Christians, to accept that and be that transforming force in this world. So I'm really glad to be here tonight, but it's a complicated time and things that have happened this week are a challenge to Christians and non-Christians alike. They're a challenge to people of faith and people of unfaith alike. They cast us back into the political fights that we are engaged in every single day. But through the vows and promises that are made in this place tonight, we will see a vision of another way of being, a vision of a larger life, a life of purpose and will, conforming to God, living as Christ in this beautiful but broken world. May we be for the suffering people of America in these days, beacons of hope, wellsprings of spiritual resource. May we be places of healing and gospel love and redemption. Amen.